Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my show. Today, my guest is Yulia. Oh, sorry. I'm going to start over. Do you pronounce your name Yulia? Yeah, that's correct. Because on here, on your, um, so you have know. different spellings. Yeah, it's just because I, I use it for like work and everything. So Oh, it's easier for people with the Y, but with the I is traditionally it, how it's spelled. Yeah, it's just how it's spelled in my passport. So but I prefer Yulia with Y because it's just easier. Yeah. Some people okay. call me Julia just because it's, you know, more I know. Actually, when I was looking for your email and my emails, I was spelling it with a J. I don't know why. I I guess it's just more common. My my stepmother's name is Julia. So I think it was just in my head with a J. And I'm like, oh no, it's with a Y. Because you were it wasn't coming up. I couldn't find your email. And then I realized, oh yeah, it's with a Y. But it's really pretty. My husband has a patient from Russia named Julia. So is it a common name over there? Yeah, it's a common name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll start again. <laughs> okay. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. Today, my guest is Yulia Grosheva, and she is a Russian Orthodox woman who I met on Instagram. I started looking at all her posts. She talks a lot about different martyrs, saints, a lot of beautiful imagery of icons and churches. And um, she just seemed like a lovely person. So I reached out to her and asked her to be a guest. And so this is my first time getting to have a conversation with her about her life. And I, I'm excited to learn from her today. Welcome, Yulia. How are you? Thanks, Allison, for inviting me. Yeah, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really feeling good today. Um, and I'm just happy to finally meet you. And we are going to just have a little chat. We don't really have, we didn't decide on um, super clear topics today other than orthodoxy, her marriage. Um, I just want to get to know her. And she's also going to share some books that she can recommend to the audience. So um Yulia, why don't you just give us a little bit of background about where you're from, maybe um, how you met your husband and what it's like being in the U.S. And um, I know you've been to several different types of Orthodox churches, so maybe you can share about some of the differences between um, Antiochian, Russian Orthodox, Coptic, because a lot of my audience are brand new to Orthodoxy and um, even myself, I am not that familiar yet with the differences between the church. So first, just tell us a little bit about you and how you came to the U.S. Uh, I was born and raised in Russia. So um, my parents were not, um, or uh, they were Orthodox, they were baptized. But we uh, we would go to church only for Christmas and Pascha. So the first time I received communion and conf confessed the first time was uh, when I was 20. So it's been a while. And since childhood, I can say that I felt there is a God. And uh, at one point of my life, I had a lot of friends of atheists. I didn't have any friends, Orthodox friends. So um, 
And uh, that uh, that one make me think about faith more deep and um, think about it and try to explain to my friends. So that's how I started to learn about orthodoxy and uh, actually went to church. So um, when I first communion and start a going church, we had a nice priest who um, organized trips and uh, helped us to restore the ancient churches of Russia, which were destroyed during communist time. So that one too, uh, that was very interesting and helped me a lot to learn about orthodoxy. Um, with uh, marriage, uh, I can say that uh, you know, there are a lot of youth meetings in Russia, and we have some friends um, who helped us to, uh, like, help us to meet. My husband and I met online, and most of, um, like, because of our friends. So we start communicating, and we had different backgrounds, um, different cultures, and uh, different languages. Everything was so different except uh, that we start speaking about God. And that's one of the points which unite us. And we felt like we're um, like very similar people and feel very comfortable. Um, so uh, after that, after marriage, uh, we decided that I will move to the United States. Uh, but I can say that. Um, in Russia and United States, it's different. In Russia, you are uh, kind of have a lot of churches open, open every day, and you are. I I think I will. I was spoiled a little bit of that because had liturgy every day and everything. Uh, but also, um, I can say that in the United States, when I moved here, I find that the Orthodox it's not only Russian Orthodox, but you go to each church and you feel that. People are um, like from different nations and they pray to God in different languages, but they're still like a one family, like one church. And you see different cultures and everything. I think that's one of the very interesting things about America and about orthodoxy in America. Um, and yeah. so I've never been, the only church I've ever attended liturgy at is my Antiochian parish and before we started recording you were talking about um hearing the liturgy in arabic and and um so that was that a coptic church or no antiochian church but they they gave the liturgy in arabic is that right yeah so um because my husband he is originally from uh, middle east from egypt so we would go to Antiochian churches because they sometimes pray in Arabic. And uh, also it was interesting for me to listen like Byzantine chant or different chanting and see the people. Because in Russia, you have Russian churches. You don't know much about, uh, you know, orthodoxy in the Middle East or orthodoxy, I don't know, in Asia or something like that. Or orthodoxy in America was something new to me also. Um, so... It was a nice experience to hear the language, uh, like Arabic, and uh, that's nice. Sometimes we add some prayers to our like uh, morning or evening prayers. Sometimes like I, I learn from my husband some prayers, and he also learned from me Russian prayers, and I learned Arabic prayers. That is so beautiful. What about 
Greek. Do you know any Greek or have you been to a Greek? Yeah I, yeah, I visited Greek churches. Very nice. Um, I think it's interesting too because Greek language, uh, the Bible was written in Greek. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, for me, it's interesting to learn new words. Also, in even in Russia, we have many words which are uh, Greek originally. And actually in Arabic and the Russian, we found many words are this similar because of uh, the Greek roots. So it's kind of interesting, especially in church. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I wish I could learn Greek. <laughs> I, I, tr- I tried to learn a few words and I don't know why it's just really hard for me, but it's beautiful. And yeah, I love tracing the roots back to the original Greek words. In my catechism class, a lot of times um, we we discuss the the Greek meaning, you know, they'll even write the word out in Greek on the on the board, and then we'll discuss like what that word really means and how it applies to the verse or you know the scripture. But um and I do want to add that Yulia told me before we started recording that reading the Bible helped her learn English. And I told her her English is just amazing. So can you explain a little bit to us how you use the Bible to teach you to learn English? Well, first I learned English at school, just the basic grammar, but um, I didn't speak any English uh, until I started reading some books. And the first book was the Bible and the I find that the Bible and the Holy Fathers helped a lot with the language, um, especially prayers. I remember I had uh, some uh, like music, songs uh, from church, like hymns from Divine Liturgy or All Night Vigil. And I would, because I know them already in Slavonic and Russian, so I decided to like listen some of them. And that helped me also. Um, the Bible, like I find that, you know, because the Bible translated, uh, the translation of the Bible is very like word by word and you can find the verses. So it was easy for me. And also I like to read the Bible. Uh, we actually at home, we didn't have a Bible until like, um, I think I was like age 20 or so. Just it was not easy to get it. Mm. Uh, at that time in Russia before the collapse of Soviet Union it was very difficult to get a good Bible but we had the law of God which helped us a lot like the book the law of God where there were a lot of um, like Bible stories and everything Mm. like that Mm. okay so I want to go back to when you met your husband and then um eventually you got engaged and I read on your Instagram that you had more than one wedding ceremony. Is that correct? We had, yeah, kind of, uh, we had one ceremony in church and then also two, um, two more. Yeah. Two, two more. So three total. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that. What were the differences? Um, yeah, we decided we got married in Church uh, of Apostle Thomas in Russia. Um, so the the first we decided because in Russia you can't get married in church, you have to 
have a civil marriage, um, sign the papers, and then you bring those papers uh, in Russia to the priest, and then uh, he uh, make the ceremony in church. So we decided that we will uh, do it in Russia, and then also make it an Orthodox church. And then when I came over to the United States, because his family is here, so we decided to make an Egyptian wedding. So it was Orthodox, Russian with my family, and also Egyptian. Yeah. Oh, did you have different? Did you have different dresses for each one? Uh, not really different dresses. Just uh, it was different, uh, especially in church. I remember that in church, uh, the wedding, a lot of Orthodox friends, and I really loved that we have some people to pray for us. So. I think it's important when uh, people not just go into the uh, like a party, but also go to church to pray for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've only seen one Orthodox wedding. I had to watch it via live stream because I was really sick. My husband and I were sick, and we really wanted to go. But um, it was it was great watching it on live stream because I got the best view in the house because the camera was facing the bride and groom. And um, it was just so beautiful. The, the hymns that were sung and the scripture that the priest, I guess um, it's common to read scripture from the old Testament um, during the wedding ceremony, or I don't know if it's in every Orthodox wedding that they do that, but um, and then the crowns. Can you tell the audience who is not fam- anybody who's not familiar with what the crowns are for? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's um, usually they wear crowns, and it's um, like a symbol. There are many symbols, but one of them is like a martyrdom, and also because you know when when somebody's got married, it's it's not like easy life. It's you are trying to uh, like work on yourself and love other person. So it's the your way to God with this person who's helping you. So it's kind of difficult. So like they, they want to show us that it's kind of a martyrdom in some way, and also that because you became like a, um, I could say uh, when you have kids. Where when person has a kids, then they will be like, a, um, I would say, uh, like like not the kings, but they they have their family and they became like a king and queen for the kids, so something like that. Also, I want to say that I have on my ring the um, like a prayer, which is written in Arabic, and there is a cross. It's Antiochian ring. And it says, uh, exalt them. It's a, from the prayer of the ceremony of the wedding. Exalt them as the cedars of Lebanon. So it's a verse from Bible um, used as a prayer during the ceremony uh, where priests asking God to exalt those people uh, as the cedars of Lebanon. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit about your travels because I've seen in your posts, you've been all over the place. Um, what, what are some of your favorite holy sites that you've visited? 
Yeah, we've been um, to a couple countries. Uh, one of my um, like favorite places, I would say, or the places where I would like to come back is in Cyprus. I love there are a lot of history, like Orthodox history in Cyprus. Also, my husband loves to go to Mountain Athos. Uh, I think it's a very unique place, uh, especially loved by Orthodox people. Um, I like Cyprus most of the, like, there are many holy places uh, related to ancient saints, like, for example, re related to Mother of God or uh, St. Lazarus, um, the friend of the Lord, uh, who was a bishop there. So um, it, it's it was very interesting to visit those places where many years ago, Christians prayed and where the first Christians was. So it, it's very interesting. I love that. Also, they speak Greek and uh, they are very friendly. So I, I feel that I'm like at home. <laughs> um, yeah. There yeah. are, there are, um, I remember one place, uh, it's uh, the catacombs. It's underground church, like a very small church underground, uh, dedicated to Saint Thecla. Uh, so um, she was a she was a pupil of the apostles. So uh, it, it's very interesting. You go on inside, and there is her icon, and the people were hiding there. I guess they were praying there because it's um, very ancient catacombs. It's very nice. Also, it's on the beach. And it's hidden. I, I wouldn't see it if I, there was no cross on the top. So also there is um, St. Lazarus Church uh, where uh, St. Lazarus was buried. Um, the La He actually has two tombs, one in Palestine and uh, one in uh, Cyprus. So the first time uh, when, when he died and then Christ um, came and raised him up from the dead and then he became a bishop in uh, um, Cyprus and he was there and then when he passed away they buried him there so wow. that's that's interesting that is very cool very interesting and um, you also mentioned a very special place before we started recording that had to do with Christ can you tell us about that place Oh, the, uh, which one? St. Thomas Church? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, that. yeah, maybe I will tell because this is important church too. It's uh, St. Thomas Church in Russia. There was a priest. Uh, we, we got married in this church and we chose it not just, you know, randomly. We decided we will uh, get married there because one of the priests who, like, after reading his book, I uh, first time went to confession. His book is very interesting. I have it here. Uh, they published it in English, but it was originally in Russian. So it's called The Instruction for a Mortal or, uh, or What to Do if You Still Die. <laughs> uh, it's a book about toll houses. So what happened after the death of, um, like he, he's a priest. And he's uh, telling us how was his experience when he went to the people uh, who were about to die and they asked for communion. It was uh, like in Russia. 
So he would explain how they died uh, in terms of some people were uh, received the communion and they die with a smile on their face. Some of them were kind of suffering from kind of like uh, so- something he, he didn't know what that was, but he's telling that he feels that there was something uh, that they were scared or so he explained all that and also he explained um, what happens after death according to the teaching of the fathers about the toll houses uh, so it's uh, what happens with the uh, soul after death and uh, reading that uh, after reading that book I felt that I want to I want to learn about it and then I feel that I need to go to confession because uh, it encouraged me to go to confession and communion. Um, so we got married in that church. He was um, killed. He was a missionary, so he baptized a lot of Muslims and he got calls um, from Muslims. And actually he was killed in the church during the confession, like he was going out and um, yeah, so um, on that place, they kept his um, relics and uh, the icon of new martyrs. Um, so for for me, it was a special church because, um, like, I went there, I studied there. There is a school, like, where you study um, the Orthodox faith. It's a very well-organized parish. They have a lot of... Um, classes there is also a school which prepare people you know for kind of knowing about orthodoxy and help in parishes so it's a very active parish and uh, yeah so all these make me to pick up that church and my husband of course he loved this priest too so we decided we'll get married there wow cool um what other books did you bring to show us yeah there are some other books like he wrote about um like that one i like so much it's a protestant's walk through the, an orthodox church very nice yeah so he writes here about all the um like a church like he compared it to the Noah ark and uh he tells everything like it's a conversation between protestant who is trying to you know, convince priest to be a Protestant, and then he explains him everything, uh, and that's just amazing. Like how, how he uh, everything from the fathers and from the scriptures. Yeah, that's that's nice. Also, he wrote a lot of books. Um, I like that one. How often should one commune? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just started learning about um, confession and communion in or i mean i'm is that referring to the eucharist that's what i'm assuming yeah, it's about yeah the yeah. eucharist yeah um yeah we're learning about that in catechism so that looks like a good one i'm going to put links to these books in the description for the audience so they are they all like i bought them from um, jordanville monastery uh, bookstore they're they're available online um maybe i'll try to find the link um yeah, I will try to find the link, but I'm not sure because, you know, they are all translated and it was just uh, recently, something recently. Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot of Orthodox books are very recently 
translated to English that 20 years ago, we didn't have nearly as many options for Orthodox books like we do now. Yeah. Yeah. When I was looking for Orthodox book, that's actually one of the problems which I have. I like to read in English. Um, I like to read in English and uh, some books I was not able to find. Like, for example, in Russia, we have a website where you can find everything available online for free. So anything you need to know about the Bible, all those books are available. And also the explanation of the uh, gospel on each verse. It's it's just we have some apps, so there are a lot of information and it's available for free. I, I really would love that we have something like that in English because many people would would like to learn it would like to read it but it's not um so available have to purchase books like one one book which i purchased it's a huge one it's uh for daily readings oh wow that is huge. daily reading for for each day of the year so with the explanation uh of the holy fathers that's oh, very interesting yeah, yeah. But it's not easy to get one like that. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, like, where could I get that one? <laughs> I think it's that not one, easy I, to find. Most of the time I ordered them from Jordanville. Jordanville. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jordanville Bookstore. Yeah. So um, I'm really loving learning about the saints right now. I'm trying to read as much as I can about them and their lives and especially the the female the women saints because I'm deciding who my patron saint will be I mean I have some time to figure it out but um can you share with us a martyr that really stands out to you that um that you'd like to tell us about yeah I think um I like the Mirbury women, uh, and also I think one of the first uh, uh, martyrs and uh, saint, female saint, was Saint Barbara. I actually didn't know that uh, it was she. I saw her icon. I was a child, and maybe I was five, six years old, and I went into the church and I saw that icon. Uh, she was. Um, wearing a crown and she had a chalice in her uh, hands so i really loved that because i felt uh, that she was the one who was have like you know having a chalice in her hands and i was thinking about it for a long time until i knew that it was saint barbara and that she prayed for the people um who died without communion but also i like her um story that she was she didn't. Um, she she raised in a place and the area where she was not able. She 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 didn't have chance to learn about orthodoxy and about church, but then she somehow God gave her that opportunity, and I think it's great. And also, uh, from her life, I like that how she. Uh, look at the stars and everything and the beauty of the world and she find that god is uh, god exists and that the idols are nothing so because it was um, something that i feel when i became orthodox i loved astronomy and all that look at the stars and everything uh, like just the beauty of the uh, night sky yeah. and uh, 
like one of the moments I remember in childhood, I saw a comet, like in the, in the sky was something beautiful, it was maybe six or seven years old. And uh, I was, I started thinking about uh, God and how he created everything so beautiful. Uh, so one of the saints is St. Barbara. I really love her. Um, St. Catherine, I also like St. Catherine. Um, her story is interesting. Uh, but uh, she is. She was, um, for me, I see her as a very wise woman. And uh, also um, she dedicated herself to Christ. So it's... Also, she's Egyptian. I mean, she was born in Egypt, and uh, I love that country. I like the holy places of Egypt. Um, like that, this is the land where Christ uh, stayed for some time, and the mother of God. Yeah. Yeah, and next, um, perfect, because I wanted to talk about the mother of God next. <laughs> um, I... I'm just starting to learn about her life as well. What we know about her as a selfless woman and um, as a woman myself, she is, and I have her icon right over here behind me. Um, you know, I aspire to try to live my life selflessly. It's, it's not always easy. And so um, tell us about how we can, um, use her as uh, somebody to look up to on our path as a Christian? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm learning too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, the mother of God, one of the questions, um, like in Russia, we always pray to the mother of God, but I always had that question, uh, why do we like her so much? And uh, one of the fathers who really helped me in that, I still sometimes, I still have sometimes that thoughts, why do we like her? But anytime when I pray to her, I, I feel that um, it's uh, she, like, I, I feel her as uh, my mother, something like that. Um, I really like uh, St. John Damascus. He wrote about mother of God and a lot of uh, orthodoxy in general. One of the first uh, books which I read and really uh, helped me to learn about faith. I'm still learning. Sometimes when I don't know something, I just open his books and I find like everything is ready. And it's uh, just amazing how he wrote um, his book called uh, The Exposition of the Orthodox Faith. So he wrote um, about Mother of God and uh, about um like why do why we sh why should we pray to her why we should uh what why she's a virgin or everything about her so i think that's a great teacher for us i don't think i can add anything to him <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next thing i wanted to ask you about was um saint peter um you Let's see. Oh, the feast. You wrote about the feast of St. Peter. I, actually, let's just talk about the feast days. For somebody who's brand new to Orthodoxy, can you just give a really general explanation of what the feast days are and what we do on feast days and why? Yeah, sure. Uh, like we, uh, 
like we used to go to church on Christmas and uh, Pascha. So uh, most of the time, we I never actually just went to church uh, to pray and to attend that uh, like a long service. So I didn't know about communion, confession when I was a child uh, until age 20, I think. Yeah, 18. So for me at that time, the feast was something like uh, you have a nice uh, like dinner with the family, lunch or something like that. Um, but uh, then later I realized that there is confession and communion. And for me, uh, it became something that the feast is when you are, when you are with God. So um, also um, as a feast, like we have, it's different from church uh, like, for example, in uh, Russian church, we use uh, old calendar. In Antiochian Greek churches, they use new calendar. I sometimes kind of confused with those two. But um, I hope one day we will have the same. I don't know if it's even possible, but have the feasts on the same day. But I'm happy that we celebrate Pascha the same day. So it's uh, very good. Also, we have fasts. Um, like before each feast, usually we have fasts. Um, like for example, now we'll start Christmas fast and uh, then we'll have Christmas and we'll celebrate on 25th, we'll celebrate on January 7th. And then some other feasts um, such as like for Mother of God, the Dermitian feast. Um, generally what I learned very interesting to me that um, every Every time when we start the new year, we start with a mother of God feast, like when she was born, and then we come back to her uh, third mission. That's kind of what I learned just recently, and it's I think it's very beautiful. It is, yeah. Uh, so do you, at your church on feast days, how is it different than like a regular liturgy, for example? We usually... Mm. It depends which feast, but generally speaking, it's uh, we have in Antiochian churches and Russian churches, there is a difference. We have all night vigil, which is at night. So it's like uh, Vesper and then we have matins, whereas in uh, Antiochian church, they have matins in the morning uh, and then liturgy. So we have uh, all night vigil and then we have liturgy. The next day, usually on Sunday, um, the difference I would say I noticed the difference between Russian church and Russian church here and uh, in Russia because, for example, Christmas we would celebrate uh, at night in Russia uh, from, for example, 10 p.m. to um, like 4 or 3 p.m. of a.m. So all night. Wow. It, it's, it's Singing Christmas hymns or just praying or what or both? Uh, we start with uh, we start like all night vigil and then uh, liturgy. So it's like the same like in Pascha. I'm not sure how they do in Antiochian church for Pascha. I think they start early, like seven. I'm not sure. I think they start earlier. Maybe they do the same, but we usually have uh, Pascha and Christmas in Russia from like 10 p.m to 3, 4 a.m. And before that, before we receive like communion, we usually go confession 
So um, every time you want to receive the communion and go to confession, and then uh, usually uh, like read special prayers and canons for that. So it's like a preparation for the communion. Mm, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some feasts, um, we have, uh, I know we have a difference that uh, apostles fast is uh, different. Sometimes it's shorter in uh, um, like Antiochian or Greek churches uh, because of that, you know, different calendars. But generally it's the same. I don't think we have many differences, <laughs> just cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what else do you want to share with us? Um, your so your parents live in Russia, and do they ever come to visit you in the U.S.? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Just because of coronavirus well, and yeah. all that. Yeah. Usually, we go to them, we visit them, and usually we visit some places in Russia. I show uh, my husband some places. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, holy places where we go. Like, um, for example, in my city, there was a, um, like, there is a church which was built or where the, um, there were a lot of martyrs during the communist time. So they built the church uh, there. So it's dedicated to our saints, like Samari saints, uh, like Samari is the city uh, where I lived. So, um, they call it Summer Saints Church, oh. New Martyrs. Do you have any photos of that church on your Instagram? Mm, I think it's one of the first posts. Uh, yeah, I have. I have. A, I think I have um, a story or something. Yeah, there was a post. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look for that. I'm gonna put the link to your Instagram in the description of the video. And um, back to traveling, you said you've been to Egypt. Have you been to any other Middle Eastern countries? Uh, we visited Holy Land. Um, actually, it was our kind of honeymoon trip. So after we got married, we decided to go to the Holy Land and visited the... Um, we lived in Bethlehem and visited Jerusalem and holy places. Oh that my was a gosh, that's amazing. It was oh. a nice trip. Actually, I know that in America they um, organized a trip uh, to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good place to go. Yeah, maybe after coronavirus <laughs> open. <laughs> right. First, I'm going to Greece for sure. That's my number one desired destination i want to go all over greece so many places i want to see i've been to europe but i've never been to greece um it's just the very top of my list for sure so i'll go to cyprus now that i know that that's your favorite place over there actually there is a very strict monastery in cyprus um the it was established by uh, saint helen the queen um, when she they, when they found the cross in the Holy Land, then they she brought the cross to the Constantinople, and there was a storm, and they just uh, reached Cyprus, and uh, she uh, like there was a vision, or there was a vision of the piece of the cross was uh, up on the mountain, or I guess I think it was the whole cross 
up on the mountain. It was something like a vision. And uh, she built the monastery there and she um, gave them the piece of the cross. So wow. it's a very ancient monastery, but they're very strict. Um, they, the same like in Mount Athos, they don't allow uh, women to go inside. And when my husband went there, they asked him at the gates to cross himself. He, they asked him, are you Orthodox? They say yes. And then they ask him a lot of questions and then ask him how he crossed himself to show that he <laughs> that is he, Orthodox. Yeah, that he didn't do the <laughs> other the other side. <laughs> Interesting, huh? So are you saying if you're Roman Catholic, you can't, and you're obviously a man, uh, they won't let the person in? To I'm not learn. sure about that, but they just they're very strict. Maybe they want to know the same like in Mount Athos. Um, they have a certain amount of people who can visit Mount Athos, mm-hmm. but they are not Orthodox. And then also some people who are Orthodox. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long was he there for? Uh, in Cyprus? No, at uh, Mount Mount Athos. Oh, he visited three times, and uh, he went there for, I think, not more than two weeks. Oh. So, like, he visited for a short time. Uh, yeah, I think two weeks or so, but he walked a lot. So he walked from the monastery to the monastery. And, uh, yeah, he actually called me on Skype. <laughs> like, he called me. Uh, we had a video call, and uh, he showed me some monasteries. One of the monasteries I really loved is uh, Simona Petra Monastery. It's very beautiful, uh, like, outside. It's on the rock. So when he called me, uh, I asked him when he go to the monastery and not in the monastery itself, but outside just to, you know, to see that monastery. I don't know if it's allowed or not, but I just saw that monastery and it was just so beautiful. The sunset and the sea. Yeah, it was very nice. Also, there is a trip, like if you go to um, Greece, there is a trip, like a cruise around Mount Athos. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, man. Yeah, and to they, see it from, from the sea, from the boat. And also they bring the relics because there are so many relics of uh, many saints. So the monks uh, usually bring the relics to the sheep so you can venerate those relics. Oh, my gosh. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I would like to go. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> or actually did that. Yeah. What about have you been to Lebanon? No, never visited, but we went we wanted to go to Lebanon. Yeah, there are a lot of places there. Like one of uh, places I think Hamatura Monastery. It's like ancient monastery. And there are some other I would like to go to Syria. It's I know it's uh, for some people maybe it's a uh, crazy to go to the Middle East but there are so many um, like for example in Syria I would like to go to one place where they still speak Aramaic language the language of Christ and uh, it's a Christian village they have a monastery Um, it's a place where Saint Thecla um, was and she uh, hided there from the persecutors they were going to kill her and she hid it there and left for some time wow. so it's very very interesting also of course when i go to the holy land again um yeah it's always nice to go there 
Yeah, I hope we can start traveling again soon. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Did you did you have any other book recommendations or um, anything for the audience or any anything else you wanted to tell us about? Yeah, actually, I I would like to go to some places in America because in America. Uh, for me, uh, growing up in Russia, I never heard about America and, uh, I mean, uh, about Ameri uh, Orthodox America. And uh, when I learned about it, it was something interesting and something um, like, you know, uh, something like a hidden pearl, I would say. Like the same, like a par parable about hidden pearl, uh, which you find and it's uh, like a treasure for your heart. I feel that uh, in America, it's something like that. The orthodoxy is hidden, but when you find it, it's very, it's very um, like a treasure. And uh, there are a lot of um, places here. Like, for example, we visited some monasteries like Jordanville, St. Monastery here in um, uh, New York and Pennsylvania. And also in uh, California, there are a lot of uh, holy places. Yeah, I think that's um, that. For me, it was something new and something um, interesting, especially history of the orthodoxy in America. A couple of days ago, I was listening for some lectures of uh, Metropolitan, and uh, he was speaking about uh, how orthodoxy started. And one man, uh, he was orthodox, but he actually moved uh, from England to America and at the time it was you know, forbidden to uh, like confess any religion except the like Anglican church so he would uh, translate the, all the books and he had a chapel I think it's in Virginia so I'm just learning now it's something new for me um, so it's just it's amazing how it's uh, that there are Christians here Orthodox Christians yeah. Yeah. And um have you have you read anything by Father Seraphim Rose? Uh no, actually I didn't, but I heard about him and I I read a couple chapters of his book uh but I didn't finish it. Okay. I know he's very famous and uh, some of the topics are very interesting like he was um, he was speaking about different religion how he was looking for um uh, like God or truth, yeah. and that's that's very interesting. And I would like to, uh, you know, read about it. Hopefully, yeah, I, just, I thought of him. I asked about him because I know he's very popular in Russia. <laughs> yeah, many books are very popular, and uh, yeah, he's very famous in Russia. We know him, um, but I actually never read. And one of my one friend of mine told me that. You are losing so much. You didn't read his book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the first books I read on, oh, you read on orthodoxy was Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future, because as you said, he was searching for truth in all these different places, including Eastern mysticism, which is where I was searching for truth for a very long time. And um, so I really love that book. And I'm reading, um, oh, in fact, I can show the audience what it looks like, <laughs> Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future. 
And then I have the soul after death, which I'm reading right now and nihilism. I'm in the middle of that as well. I have, I have several books I'm kind of in the middle of. I just kind of read a chapter here and there um, in between reading the Bible, but yeah, you can see behind me. I've read not all, not all of these, but um, these are just some of my favorites. I like to have near me, near my desk, but um, anyway, um, this has been so much fun. I don't know anything else about um, just any, for, for someone who's new to orthodoxy, um, anything you want to share about what you love about the faith or um, anything to inspire someone to maybe go and attend divine liturgy? Um, I don't know what to give advice. <laughs> I don't think I, I can give advice to somebody because I'm still learning about orthodoxy. I mean, I'm orthodox, but we're always on the way and uh, just support each other. Uh, for me, one of the things, one of the saints who really um, helped me on my way, so like it was something um that helped me a lot to go to church uh was saint john damascus that's why maybe i want to go to syria <laughs> so uh his book really inspired me to learn more about the faith and think about it not just that you know believe because i'm russian um i th i thought at that time it's not it's not just uh, for me to be a russian and go to church but he um, helped me to think about it as, uh, like, why do you go to church? Why do you believe in God? And all these arguments. I think it's one of the best books uh, for those who are looking for the good logical arguments and good logical explanation for the faith. Um, yeah, so that one really helped me. And then also there are a lot of books, like, for example, um, like Father Seraphim Rose, as you say, some some like his books, some like, uh, for example, uh, the Elder Joseph, uh, the Hesse has, he wrote about the prayers. So, for example, sometimes when I don't have the mood to pray or uh, I feel I'm lazy, I just read his uh, letters where he is saying, um, like he's writing to his pupils what to do and how to mm -hmm. pray. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you feel that spirit of Holy Fathers, it really helps um, to start praying. <laughs> you said Joseph the Hesychast, is that what you said? Yeah, I have his okay. book. He has actually very nice letters about the prayers. His, uh, like where he lived. It's in, on the Holy Mountain, very interesting. Okay, I'm writing that one down too. Monastic wisdom, is that what that was called? Yeah, there are some of them. There are different books, but they, this one just have the letters. There are different books. Um, they sometimes, you know, take the letters and uh, add something else from his writings. Yeah. 
actually his pupil um his pupil father Ephraim uh, built uh, many monasteries right in Arizona one of them in Arizona yeah, yeah. oh yeah I can't was, wait to visit that one oh it was a nice experience we actually visited it a um, couple of years ago and when we lived the monastery when we left the monastery after some time we I feel so sad I don't know why just feel so much uh, like a pray, spirit of prayer there or something I don't know just encouraging uh, encouragement to um, pray or I don't know what it was but it was just nice experience and the uh, liturgy at night was very nice even though it wasn't Greek um, but still I love it so much but he he built several monasteries around North America is that right more than just that one yeah I think 17 or so oh my gosh yeah. that's a lot <laughs> yeah that's a lot for a person who doesn't have money just a monk and the from Greece, came to the United States and built so many monasteries. Yeah, that's amazing. Really is really amazing. There's so there's so much about orthodoxy to explore. And um, thank you so much, Julia. This has been a lot of fun. I learned a lot from you, and just happy to connect with you and continue watching you on Instagram, see what you post next. Um, I wanted to let the audience know that I started a telegram group for women and I want to really underscore this. It's not just for Orthodox women. It's not just for catechumen or baptized. It's for anyone who's just interested at all. Uh, You have any amount of interest in wanting to learn about the faith, you can send me a message on Instagram at a devotional heart, and I can give you the invite. So far we have 55 ladies and we're going to be doing two zoom calls a month. And, um, just want to remind everybody to subscribe to my channel. If you like my content, because you'll get notified if you hit the bell when I upload my premieres or when they, when they launch, um, it's usually five o'clock on the day of the week changes sometimes, um, usually Tuesdays and Fridays. But, um, for instance, right now I'm planning to upload a new video every day for five days. So, um, we love to chat with everyone in the live chat when those go live and, um, Yulia, thank you again so much for this conversation and um, God bless you and your family and um, just happy to know you and to have spent this time with you. Thanks. Thanks, me too. Very happy. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for now. And um, everybody have a beautiful, blessed day and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.